take your Bibles and go to Matthew chapter 3 this morning. Matthew chapter 3. We'll start reading in verse 1. Very important message I want to try to get across to you this morning. And tonight, uh, this morning, I want you to not pay attention to me, but I want you to pay very close attention to the message. What are you talking about? I want to talk to you this morning about focusing on the message and not the messenger. This is so important. So see if you all can focus on what I'm being taught without paying attention to me. Alright? How do you do that? What are you talking about? Well, I'll show you as we read through the Scriptures here. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 1, "...in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness... Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and a leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. Then went out to him, um, then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan, and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers! Who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth therefore fruits, meat for repentance, and think not to say within yourself, We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children to Abraham. And now also the axe is laid to the root of the tree. Therefore every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water under repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear... He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And so, one of the greatest challenges, I believe, for a messenger, a preacher, a pastor, it's getting people to focus on the message instead of the messenger. And I believe we need to train ourselves to focus on the message instead of the messenger. You know, you've got to realize whenever you hear preaching going on that you know the preacher... He's only relaying or delivering a message. Okay, We have succeeded as a society in training ourselves not to get mad at mailmen. Okay, I mean, when, you know, nobody in here has probably ever punched their mailman for bringing them a bill or bringing them bad news or, you know, nobody's ever done that. We all know that a mailman is just their job to deliver a message and you don't, you know, you don't get mad at them. Okay? But yet sometimes people do, at the, you know, they do at the preacher. A lot of times people, they can't even hear the messages trying to be taught because they're so busy looking at the individual that they're missing what God's wanting them to learn from this. And you know, some things that distract from the message many times are flaws in the messenger. Okay? For example, maybe the physical flaw. Maybe you notice he's got some type... Maybe, maybe I stutter too much. Maybe I say... I don't want to point out any of my faults because you might not have noticed them yet, and I don't want you to start zeroing in on those things. But um, you know, I've, we've, I've known some preachers before that have some weird habits. There was this one preacher that we heard one time, and whenever he'd be preaching, you know, he'd he'd, be, he'd say something like, "Somebody say amen." He'd just, he'd say that all the time. Somebody say amen. And I remember the teenagers in the youth group went and they they counted how many times he said that in one message, and I it, I can't remember, but it was really high. But I remember they told me how many times he said, "Somebody say amen." And I was like. You guys probably have no idea what he preached about because all you were doing was counting how many times somebody say amen. You know, sometimes they have 
I've known some preachers that make some weird noises when they preach. They'll kind of do these things. This one guy did that, and I was like, it was it was kind of hard. But you know what? The message was still good, but it was it was hard to get past that physical flaw. Maybe it's something you're looking at. Maybe it's the shine off my forehead. You know, maybe my hair is not combed right. And you'll get focusing in on those things. Those flaws in the messenger, you know, maybe my shirt's wrinkled or my tie's crooked or something, and you, you miss the message because you're focusing on the messengers. Maybe it's a spiritual flaw. You know how many people they don't want to listen to what a preacher has to say because they're like, well, you know, he's got faults too. And, you know, I don't know a pre- I have never met a preacher, I'm sure they're out there, but I have never met a preacher in my life that thought he was perfect. I've never met a preacher in my life that thought that he was without sin. I've never met one like that in my whole life. Yet I have met many people who will crit- you know, I'm not going to go to that church. That preacher, he thinks he's this. That preacher thinks he's better. And the reason everybody thinks that is because that preacher did what he was supposed to and he got up and he preached on sin and he happened to nail one of their pet sins. And they're just thinking, well, you know what? He's got faults too. Yeah, and he knows it. Okay, We all know it. We know it better than you do, okay? But at the same time, we're still supposed to tell you what the Bible says. Whenever we get up here and we're preaching something, we're like, you know, the Bible says this is a sin. We're not saying we've never sinned. We're not saying that we're better than you. We're just telling you what the Word of God says. But they'll look at the they'll look at the messenger and say, you know, he's got faults, he's got flaws too, and so they don't hear what God was wanting them to hear. From that message, maybe it's an intellectual flaw. If you go to Acts chapter two, we're not going to turn over there. Verse five through seven. Whenever the disciples were preaching there on Pentecost, the people there was all these you know noble people, all these wise, smart, intelligent, educated people that were there, and they're listening to these people and they're preaching with the power of God. But they couldn't get past the fact that wait, these guys are Galileans. How are they able to do this? These Galileans are speaking in all these other languages. They're speaking in our native tongues. How are these people smart enough to even know our language? And the truth was, it was the Holy Spirit gave them that power to speak in other languages at that time. And these people, they missed the fact that God, many of them missed the fact that God was doing a miracle there. You know why? Because they were focused on the people. Look at these, look at these guys. These are Galileans. Okay, They're from a poor part of Israel. They're fishermen. They're not the smart, educated. You know, these aren't rulers. These aren't leaders. These are nobodies. And yet they're preaching like this? What's going on? And they could get past that. Many times people go to church and you know, if you, if you come around here real long, you're going to find out that you know, I'm not the most educated person in the world. I don't have, you know, a whole bunch I don't have more degrees than a thermometer like some of these preachers do. I don't always use proper English. Um, you know, we actually the song that we just sang, most people sing it ain't it good to know how it feels, but you know, we're northerners and we try to make people think we're smarter than everybody else and so we said, Tell me, you know, we do it like you know, trying to sound a little more intelligent, probably failed miserably. But you know what? You know, People get focused on those things, don't they? I'm smarter than that guy. Yeah, you might be. Those people at Pentecost were probably smarter and more educated than the disciples were. But you know what? It didn't matter. Those disciples were speaking with the Holy Spirit of God. They were speaking a message that was from God. And so you know what? Those educated people should have listened 
to what they had to say, but people do. They get all caught up in the messengers. And many people, when they are looking, when they go to a church, when they're looking for a church, many times they'll look for the biggest, the fanciest building. But you know what? That's not always the place where the truth is at. Now, you know what? It could be. It's possible that the best church in town could be the place of the biggest building with the fanciest building. I hope one of these days we have the biggest, fanciest building. Okay, That is not a disqualifier that somebody's got a big, fancy building, but you know what? It's not a qualifier either. You know, Many times they'll look for the biggest crowd. Okay, I hope one of these days we have the biggest crowd in all of town. But you know what? That's not a qualifier. That doesn't mean the person's telling the truth. You know, there's a lot of people that are out there lying, aren't preaching the Bible, that have huge crowds. You know, many people, they look for the most exciting, entertaining show. You know, hey, what, what place can I go to that puts on the best performance? You know, that makes, that's the most entertaining. Where will I get the biggest thrill? Where will I get the most excited? Listen, I hope you all enjoy the show, if you want to call it that. I hope you all enjoy the special music. I hope you enjoy the message. I really hope you do. But you know what? That's not a qualifier either. Nowhere in the Bible will you find that that's a qualifier. Many people, they look for the best programs. Hey, what does this church have to offer me? What kind of kids' programs and youth programs do they have? You know, Do they have a softball league? Do they have this? Do they have that? What kind of fun stuff do they have? What kind of giveaways do they do at that church? And they want to go to the church that has the best fun stuff. And you know what? I'm not against fun stuff. I'm all for it. I enjoy fun stuff. I'm all for giveaways and everything like that. You know, I, I think that's great. But you know, those are not qualifiers. Those are not proof that the message is from God. It, it it's not. I mean, if you want to go, if the place that gives away the best stuff is the one telling the truth, and the best place you ever should have went to was the Oprah Winfrey show. Sometimes she gave cars away to her whole audience. <laughs> but you think she was preaching the gospel there? No, but boy, she had some good giveaways there. <laughs> but that, that's not the qualifier. And I promise, we're never going to be giving away cars to everybody that comes in the audience. I, I don't see that happening anytime soon unless we get a lot of money. But anyway, those aren't, those aren't qualifiers. And so what should, you, what should you look for? Okay, Remember, we want you to focus on the message, not the messenger. And here we just read a story in Matthew chapter 3 about a man named John the Baptist who was probably the greatest preacher that ever lived. Jesus said there was none, no other man born of women that was greater than John the Baptist. Yet, John the Baptist, people struggled with listening to him. Okay, Because there were some things about him that was a little different. Notice in verse 1, it says that he was preaching in the wilderness. You know, the place where you're going to hear the truth is not always on Main Street. Okay? Now, just because the church is on Main Street doesn't mean it's lying. I hope one of these days, you know, if we were to move from here, if we could get a location that was a little better, that was more visible to everybody, that'd be great. You know, a lot of people don't know where our church is at. You got to kind of come to you got to come to this church on purpose. We're not on a street that everybody drives by. You know, a lot of people know where the school is, and so you, when I give directions, I'll use that. But uh, you know, just because some place is out in the wilderness does not mean. They're not telling the truth there. There are some churches that are out in the country, out in the middle of nowhere that are good churches. And here you got John the Baptist. He's out preaching in the middle of the wilderness. And so, location, that's not proof of anything. You know, the truth isn't always necessarily the place you go where you hear what you want to hear. Notice what John the Baptist preached in verse 2. He said, Repent, ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He told people, Repent. You all need to change your ways. You all are sinners and you need to repent. He preached it. 
And people didn't like that. You know, the truth isn't always what you want to hear. You know, if the message is from God, it's not always going to make you feel good. It's not always going to be what you wanted. You might have wanted to come here today and get a real feel-good message. I mean, you just wanted, you were hoping, man, I hope this is one of those churches where the preacher just gets up and tells you how wonderful you are and just how great you are and how, you know, you're going to get a million dollars in the mail tomorrow and, you know, but you know, now, sometimes you hear things like, you need to repent. You need to get saved. Hey, you're a sinner. And if you don't trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, you will spend eternity in hell. That's not pleasant, is it? That is not pleasant hearing that you're a sinner and that there are consequences for sin. But you know what? It's the truth. The person telling the truth, they might not always be living a lifestyle that you would want to live. Notice John the Baptist in verse 4. He wore raiment of camel's hair and a leathern girdle about his loins and his meat was locusts and wild honey. Now, who wants to live that lifestyle? You know, who wants to dress like that? Who wants to eat like that? Now, thank God we don't have to wear camel hair. We don't have to, uh, you know, we don't have to, or, uh, we don't have to eat locusts and wild honey. Okay? Thank God for that. As Christians, you know, we have the liberty. We can eat, we can eat whatever we want. Because it's why it's sanctified by prayer. And so we even eat bacon. And thank the Lord for that. And I'm planning on doing a lot of eating after this service is over. And I'm not worried. I'm not worried about breaking any laws by what I eat. It's just, does it taste good? If it tastes good, I'm for it. I'm all for it. I think that's a great thing. But you know what? Many people, they look at John the Baptist and think, this guy's crazy. Look at the way he dresses. Look at what he eats. But you know what? Even though this guy looked crazy, even though what he ate was crazy, let me tell you something. This man was preaching the truth. And many times the people will come in and they'll hear a preacher and they yeah, yeah, I don't know if I want to be like that guy. I don't know if I want to be like these people around here. I mean, what's wrong with these people? You know, they they look different. They act different. Hey, listen, don't pay attention to us. Pay attention to the message. Okay, we try to be a light. We try to set a good example. But if you pay too close of attention to us, you're going to find out we're not like Christ in many ways. You're going to find out we're sinners too. And unfortunately, though, many people they just they're always looking on those outward things. You know, the person, uh, a place that tells the truth. Okay, the right kind of church is not going to usually be a church that's politically correct. Look at what he said in verse seven. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to the baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? He just called those people vipers. He called them snakes. He said, Who's warned you to flee from the wrath to come? What's wrong with this guy? You're not supposed to say things like that to people. We're not supposed to make people feel bad. We're not supposed to call people snakes and vipers. We're not supposed to tell them judgment's coming. Well, actually, we are supposed to let people know they're sinners. And... Okay, call them vipers. That's one way that John did it. You know, what was he trying to do? He's just trying to get the message across to them that not only are you nothing special, you're something sinful. You are a viper. See, these people, they thought they were really something because they were Jews. They were children of Abraham. And John the Baptist, he saw right through that. And he said, Say not within yourself, we have Abraham to our father. God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. He's not being very polite. He's not being very uh, political. You know, Brother Lonnie mentioned, you know, wouldn't it be nice if one of these politicians just were honest and said, you know, how did you put that, you know? 
Yeah, there I go. I'm the elitist. You're the peasants. Here's what I've done for you. I would vote for the politician that said that. You know, because that's what they all think, <laughs> but they don't say it. You know, they they always got to be political. I, I like when they just tell it how it is, and they get in trouble for it all the time. But I'm telling you, you know, tell me what you think. All right, tell me what you, what's really going on in that head. I might not like it, but I'll at least get the truth. And you know, people love to be lied to. They do. That's why we have political correctness. People want to be lied to. That's why we have the kind of churches that we do. People, they want to be lied to. But you know what? We ought to want the truth, folks. And you know what? The truth is not always pretty. But we do. We like to be lied to. You know, women ask their husbands all the time, you know, how does this dress look? And they're not allowed to answer that truthfully. <laughs> you know, they'll, get, they'll get in all kinds of trouble. People do. They come to churches and they tell people, hey, tell us the truth, Pastor. You, you don't want the truth. You don't want the truth no more than you do from your husband when he asks how your dress looks. The truth is not always pretty. You know, the truth might be, hey, you know, that dress is too tight. You know, that I mean, it just it might be, uh, you know, that that color clashes with, you know, your hair, your eye. I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to say any of these things. It might relate to my wife. I think I thought that about one of her outfits. You know, I I don't know what you all think, uh, but when your wife asks you that, but. Let's just admit it. People don't like to hear the truth all the time, but we ought to want—we ought to want to hear the truth. And uh, the place that tells the truth is not going to usually be politically correct, because you cannot be politically correct and truthful at the same time. You just can't do it. It can't be done. We've got to stop demanding it from politicians. We've got to stop demanding it from preachers. We just need to, you know, say, just give it to me straight. That's what you want from your doctor, don't you? Tell me the truth. What's wrong with me? How long do I have? You know, and just let you know, lay it out there. Let's tell the truth. You know, the right kind of church, it's going to point you to Christ. That's what John the Baptist did. You know, John the Baptist, he's a unique individual. The people that came to hear John, many of them came because they heard about this guy named John. You know, who is this guy? He wears you know camel's hair and a leather girdle. He eats locusts and wild honey. He's out there screaming everybody to repent. He told off the Pharisees real good, and you know the the lower class people probably enjoy that. Let's go hear this guy. Let's go hear what he has to say. But you know what? In verse eleven, he said, "I indeed baptize you with water." He said, "I I, do, I baptize you with water and repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I." whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. You know what John the Baptist did? He pointed people to Jesus Christ. He's like, y'all are out here. You're paying attention to me. You're noticing me. You know, sometimes as preachers, you know, we do things to try to get your attention so we can point you to Jesus Christ. You know, maybe I'll say something funny. Maybe I'll even say something outrageous. You know, just uh, you know, trying to wake you up, trying to get your attention. Why? Because I need to point you to somebody. I'm trying to get you to see someone that is very important. It's not me, but it's Jesus Christ. There is one coming after me whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. And the right kind of Christian, the right kind of messenger, they're going to notice or they're going to know that they are nothing but they're just surrendered to God's purpose for their life. Look at verse 13. We didn't read this passage yet. But John the Baptist, he's there preaching. And John the Baptist, you know, he's, he's quite the spectacle. People have noticed him. But you know, he's trying to get people to look at Jesus Christ. That's his goal. That's what he wants to do. That's what any preacher who is worth anything. That's what they're trying to do. And in verse 13, 
Okay, I want you to know, John the Baptist didn't think he was anything special. Verse 13, Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee. And comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. When Jesus came to John to be baptized, John, like, man, what are you doing coming to me? You should be baptizing me. But Jesus, He was trying to do that. He was trying to set the example for the rest of us. He was trying to fulfill all righteousness. And for Jesus to fulfill His purpose, He needed to use John. He was using John, who was nothing special, who was a sinner. John, he was just a man that God wanted to use. And you know what? The right kind of preacher, the right kind of messenger, understand that. Listen, I I know y'all you know don't point out my faults I know what they are and you might you might point out a couple I don't know about yet and then I'll have to feel bad about those things you know don't point those out I know I'm flawed I know I'm not perfect but here I'm supposed to be giving you a message about salvation and I'm here today to tell you don't don't focus on me I'm trying to be like John the Baptist you know I I ask myself the same question you know Lord why even why even using me why do you use why does He use people? Why does He use people like me? Why did God choose to use messengers when they're all flawed? Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And this is the message that I really want you to get. I've said all this as kind of really introduction to just show you that you know don't, don't pay attention to me. All right? this, isn't, this isn't supposed to be about me. It's supposed to be about Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Verse 17. So why does God do that? Why does God use men? Because what people will do many times, they will, you know, they'll, they'll stay away from the things of God, they'll stay away from church, and they'll start talking about all the faults in the people, all the faults in the pastor. Oh, he's got this problem, he's got that problem. I, you know, I'm as good as he is. I don't need to go there. That's not, church isn't necessary. Preachers aren't necessary. They'll say all these things. And you know, but really, why did, but this is what God chose. This is what God wanted. God wants us to go to church and hear flawed people preach the gospel. He wants us to learn from flawed people. He wants us to be members and He wants us to fellowship with flawed people. Why does He do that? Why would a perfect God who has a perfect book that we have, okay, who had a perfect son that came to this world and lived a perfect life, why would he use imperfect people? Why would he do that? How does that make sense? And actually, when we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it actually makes perfect sense why he does that. Verse 17 says, For Christ sent me not to baptize but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Okay, Paul didn't come to use impressive speech. Because if the people would have been impressed by the words of Paul, the cross would be of no effect. Why is that? Well, verse 18 says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but... Unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Lost people 
they hear a guy like me get up and preaching about how you can know for sure you're going to heaven, how you could change your eternal destination from hell to heaven, and thinking, what in the world is this? What? I, that message, that's so simple. A child could understand that. And you're telling me I can get to heaven just by believing on Christ? You know what? That's foolishness to the world. But you know what? Those of us who are saved, you know why we keep preaching it? You know why we don't try to improve the message? Because this is the power of God. This is how you get saved. It is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. You've got to believe in His name. It's not about works. And it's not impressive. It's not poetic. It's none of those things. But let me tell you something. It's the truth. It's simple. It's not complicated. Verse 19, For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of, of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. You all see that? You know, the wisdom of this world says the place with the biggest crowd with the most people is the one telling the truth. The world, the wisdom of the world says, you know what? Billions of people can't be wrong. But you know what the Bible says? Broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there be which go in there out. And straight and narrow is the way that leads to life. And few there be that find it. The wisdom of this world says the majority can't be wrong, but the wisdom of God says something completely different. The wisdom of this world says, no, you gotta be good. You gotta earn it. You know, you gotta achieve this certain level. But you know what? The Word of God says, no, none of us can. It's by believing only. It says, it is, uh, God used the foolishness of preaching. You might hear this, this is nuts. This is foolish. Look at this guy up there preaching. He's nothing. He, there's nothing special about him. He has no great abilities. Are you telling me that this guy who's, who's not that great, he doesn't have that much money, he's not that good looking, he doesn't have that much talent, I mean, he doesn't really have anything going for him. Are you telling me that this guy with a smaller crowd is telling me the truth instead of somebody like Benny Hinn who can like blow on people and heal them of their sicknesses and you know make people pass out and has thousands that come who wears expensive clothing. I mean, are you telling the wisdom of this world says listen to him over listen to somebody like me? But you know what? This isn't listening to me. This is what the Word of God says. And you see, people are focusing on the messengers instead of the message. But God uses this. God uses people like me. Verse 22, For the Jews require a sign. Wouldn't it make more sense if we had some kind of sign? Like some people say, speaking in tongues. You've got to like start speaking this unknown language. That's a sign that you're saved. No, that's not how it works. The Jews require a sign. The Greeks seek after wisdom. Oh, you got to reach this intellectual level. You've got to be smart enough. You've got to be intelligent enough to get this. But you know what verse 23 says? But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Now, sometimes they do. But not many. Most preachers out there telling the truth, they're not the mighty. They're not the nobles. You know, they're not, they're not these, the wisest. They're not the smartest. They're not the most intelligent. But you know what? Those, God uses, He uses foolish people. Why? 
Verse 27. This is, this is why nobody, anybody who says that they are a preacher, uh, you know, a messenger of God, this is not bragging. Alright? Proof that we cannot brag, you know, that for me to get up and brag that I'm a pastor, God's called me to be a pastor. And, you know, I'm the elitist, you're the peasants, and listen to what I've done for you. <laughs> you, know, you know how foolish that, you know, how unbiblical that would be? Because I claim to be a Bible believer, alright? And I, I do. I, I think I, I try to prove that I believe the Bible. But listen, I believe God's called me. And verse 27 says, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God had chosen the weak things of the world. Alright, alright. Foolish, weak. Alright. No, he keeps going to confound the wise, which are mighty. And the base things, the low things, the, the low people, the low lives, and the things which are despised. I don't like being, I want to be liked. You know, what, what preacher, what pastor doesn't want to be liked? Okay? We want people to like us, but God uses those which are despised. God has chosen, yea, and the things which are not to bring the things that are. Why is this? Why does God use this format? Why does God use people like us? Because of the very fact that He wants us to focus on the message and not the messenger. Why? That no flesh should glory in His presence. But of Him... Are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. God wants a, God wanted to make sure that nobody got distracted by the messenger. If he if God used the smart people, we would all be like, Man, listen to how smart that guy is. Wow. He's so smart to be able to figure out all these things in the Bible. I could never figure that out. But you know what? The right kind of preacher, he's going to make it clear that, you know what? You can figure this stuff out. Hey, this stuff, it is something that you can understand. You don't have to be as intelligent as me to understand the way of salvation because then all i got to do is prove I'm smarter than you somehow and I can make you dependent on me. But you know what? Anybody can understand how to be saved. A little child can understand how to be saved. I got saved when I was only five years old. So, how can I? I wasn't a very smart five-year-old kid, but I was able to get saved. I was able to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because God saved. God used preaching to save those who believe. What it said in First Corinthians to save those that believe. Romans chapter ten and verse thirteen says, "For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord." Shall be saved. Okay, that's pretty simple. And people do. They think they don't like the preachers. They don't like the Christians. But listen, it is absolutely we are necessary. We are necessary. And you think why is it? The Bible says, "For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved." Verse fourteen. How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear? without a preacher. And how should they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Right here, it proves in the Bible, for people to believe, they have to hear. And for people to hear, they have to have a preacher. That's what the Bible teaches very clearly. We are a necessary part. You are. You don't have to be a pastor to be a preacher. All of us as Christians are supposed to be preaching the gospel to everyone we can. All all of you can be a preacher, and you know what? It doesn't make sense. 
But the Bible says the feet of those that do it are beautiful. Do you know biblically I have beautiful feet? But you know, my family, they do not agree with that one bit. You ought to see when I try to get the girls to pull my socks off and stuff and they look at my feet and they're always talking about how gross my feet are. But you know what? They need to start reading their Bible and show, you know, I got beautiful feet. You know, I, I, I preach the gospel and the Bible says those are beautiful feet. And so, you know, I don't care what you think you see when you see my bare feet. The Bible says those are beautiful feet. Think. Something's wrong here. This isn't adding up. This isn't making sense. There's no way your feet are beautiful. Listen, it's not because my feet aren't beautiful because of the appearance. I will never be a foot model. I promise that it'll never happen. Alright? But, once again, it's not about the physical. It's not about the man. It's not about the messenger. Hey, these feet are carrying this body around that's giving a message that is beautiful. A message that can get people saved. What is that message? That message, it's not about us, folks. It's, about, it's, not, it's not about me. When I go out knocking doors, I'm not out there to talk to people about Tommy McMurtry or Liberty Baptist Church. Why? Because... There's there's too many faults there. There's nothing that there's nothing that special. I'm, there's nothing that much more special about me than anybody else. I might know more Chuck Norris jokes than other people. I think I probably know more than just about anybody. I can I can win in a Yo Mama joke contest with the best of anybody. All right, I'm good at that stuff. I challenge anybody. And, and, but no, I'm not going to do that. But listen, no, no, nothing special to talk about. But let me tell you something. With Jesus Christ, there is something that we can talk about, and that is that. Listen, this is the message, folks. It's real simple. You don't have to be intelligent to understand this. You're a sinner. We have sinned. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We think that we deserve everything. We've got this entitlement mentality. We deserve heaven. We deserve the blessings of God. No, we don't. We're sinners, folks. It is of God's mercies that we are not consumed. That His compassions, they fail not. He was compassionate. He loved us even though we were sinners. He sent His Son to die on a cross to pay for our sins. And He paid for every bit of your sin. He paid for all of it. He paid the full price. Because you couldn't do it. You couldn't be good enough to go to heaven. You couldn't earn your way to heaven. You can't do it. We have failed. And so He did it. He paid the price. And it was God's choice. It was God's choice to save those not who are good, not those who go to church, not those who achieve a certain level of spirituality or intellectualism, whatever. He wanted, it was His choice to save those who believe. Do you, do you believe that message? Do you real, do you, do you, will you admit that you're a sinner? Do you believe that Jesus Christ paid for your sins? Well, if you do, the Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you'll pray and you'll ask Him to come into your heart and be your Savior, He will do that. You will be saved from your sins. You won't be perfect, but you'll be, you'll be cleansed from your sin. You will be, you'll be washed. You'll be clean. And one day, you're going to stand before Jesus Christ and He's going to let you into heaven, not because you earned it, not because you were good, but because you believed on the name of His Son. Because Jesus Christ paid for your sins. 
He'll be able to stay there. He is our advocate. He says, I paid for their sins. They believed on me. And you will be accepted. We have been made acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So, and how, how do we? It's, it's by faith. You just got to believe His Word. I, I wish there was some magic trick I could make you do to prove it. I wish there was some magic trick you could do after you got saved to prove it. But there's nothing. All we have is our faith. That's what God chose. God chose to save those who believe. And if you've never done that, we'd love for you to do that today. You can do that right now. We're going to have an invitation here in a little bit. If you'd like to come and talk to someone, we'd love to take a Bible and show you how you can know for sure. We can lead you right here. And if you'll pray, the prayers that we pray, they're not magic words. But if you pray those things and you mean them in your heart, the Bible says, thou shalt be saved. And you can rest assured that you'll be saved. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to heaven one of these days. I know I'm going to heaven. How, how, how do you know? Why? Because what the Bible says. Jesus paid for my sins. I believe that. He said whoever believes, they're going to be saved. And I'm saved it has nothing to do with my works. Don't pay attention to me. Don't pay attention to the people around here. Pay attention to God. Pay attention to the, the message. I hope you got this message because this is, this is the key. This is how you can be saved. It's not, it's not about being good. I hope you'll be good. It's not about becoming a church member. We'd love it if you became a church member. That's not going to save anybody. It's not about getting baptized. We'd love it if you got baptized. That's a good thing. Jesus even got baptized. But it, Jesus didn't need to be saved. He did as, as an example for us. Those aren't things that save you. It's believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. And I hope you'll do that. And so with that, let's all stand together right now.